everybody, welcome back to the Yona Pod. It is I, Evan, here to delve into Yona for the first time with my lovely caught-up co-host. Yes, that's me. I'm Alex. Um, except we're still waiting on the latest chapter. I think it came out in Japan either yesterday or this morning. And I'm dying to read it. I've seen one spoiler that I am very intrigued by. Oh. Also, I was gonna say, it's like I know you try to keep as unspoiled as possible, I'm assuming, uh, when a new chapter comes out. Yes, I do prefer to stay unspoiled. Yeah, but I was curious uh, because, you know, you've said before you feel like the story is winding down and about to end. Do mm-hmm. you think... I was going to say, like, do you think this chapter could be, like, the end and you wouldn't even know it? But I was like, I feel like <laughs> if, if something were that big, I feel like it would somehow reach you before you got to read it, don't you? Yeah. No, this isn't. If this was the ending, I would throw myself off the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I hope not. Um, no, no. I, the, okay, so the reason that I get spoilers is that people will get the raw scans from Japan, and they'll they'll put like um, I can only think of animation cells. What's the manga version of cells? Oh, panels. Panels. Yeah. God. <laughs> um, sometimes they'll put interesting panels up, and people who can read Japanese will be like, "Oh, this is kind of cool. This is what's going on here." And so, like, I try and scroll past those really fast. But you know, sometimes I'm not expecting it because I totally forgot that this was release day. So um, I got a couple, caught a couple strays here and there. Gotcha. But as far as manga goes in general, like, let's say you get to, like, the penultimate chapter. Does the (laughs) volume tell you it's the penultimate? Like, well, they say, like, tune, you know, basically tune in for the next and final chapter. Or is that a surprise? I don't know. So I recently finished Tsubakicho Lonely Planet. And uh, I do remember that on the last chapter, it says, here's the final chapter. But I don't know if they warn you before that. I've never paid close enough attention. Gotcha. Yeah, I was just wondering, having not gone through a manga, and then especially not one that's, like, finished, um, mm-hmm. whatever, I was like, oh, if you're experiencing it in real time, do you actually know? Like, you know, obviously, like, you have an inkling, but I was like, when, like, the end end comes, it's like, do they actually tell you? Or is it mm-hmm. just, like, a surprise at the end where it's like, oh, Okay, my inkling isn't based on anything real, <laughs> okay? I haven't heard of anything, um, and Kuznagi hasn't really said anything about it. My inkling is that we're getting a lot of callbacks to the first arc currently, and I'm like, okay, well, it would make sense if we're revisiting things from the beginning for it to be ending and, like, wrapping up and having this, like, bookend sort of thing going on. And then Kuznagi keeps taking, like, month-long breaks, so it's supposed to come out bi-monthly, but I think it's only come out since I started reading it, like, I guess I started about a year ago. But I feel like recently, it's for the past six months or so, it's been more monthly releases than bi-monthly releases. Mm-hmm. And I don't actually know if that has to do with her, like, health. I mean, I hope she's fine. Um, or if it's just, like, She's gearing up for the end and she's like trying to make it very good. So she's like taking breaks and, and thinking about where the story needs to wrap up. Gotcha. I don't know. That's that's sort of like a, a head, not head, head cannon. What am I thinking of? It's like theory? a conspiracy theory <laughs> that I have that is no <laughs> basis in reality, but I'm holding to. Gotcha. Yeah. 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 I just figured, I was like, yeah, I did. but it, it did get me wondering on how do mangas announce to their readers that it's the end, or if they do they announce it at all? Uh, yeah, so, I'm also curious. Yeah, so if anybody knows the answer to that, please send us an email. Yeah. Speaking of emails, I know you have one you're excited to read. Did you want to say that for later? No, we it? can do it now. It was actually a good intro because... Uh, we got an email from Michaela, and actually, we were talking about manga that we had read 
Uh, she was also like, yeah, I also didn't really care for Oran Host Club. And I was like, yes, thank you. <laughs> yeah. So we were talking about different like manga preferences. Yeah. I and Kusnagi's other works. With Yada, but I feel like that might be one that you have to experience young to like. <laughs> Okay, you know what? That's interesting because um, the Shoujo and Tell podcast with Ashley, who we had on for Zeno's episode, she did an Oran. Oh, Jesus, I cannot pronounce this well. Oran Host Club. I'm so sorry I butchered that. Um, she did an episode on that, and I listened to it because what I like to do with media that I don't understand why it's so popular, I will look up a podcast about it, and I'm like, what? do people who actually like this like about it actually fun fact i found ashley's podcast because i did the same thing with maid sama i watched the (laughs) season of maid sama that was made of it and i was like what the fuck (laughs) why is this like on the top 10 of every shoujo list um but yeah so i was listening to the other episode and uh i want to say that they said because they they also asked this they were like well do you think because a lot of the jokes are like dated and kind of (laughs) offensive um do you think you have to read this when you are young and i think one of them said she was in college when she picked it up and read it and she was like and i really enjoyed it then and so i think it's like accessible for older people interesting i was also baffled by it because i was like maybe i just didn't get it at the right time Okay, it's nope. like a nostalgia thing, like because it's like our guy went to high school with Lucas, who's super into anime and manga, and his gateway into it was as a kid watching was watching Dragon Ball, mm-hmm. and now as an adult, because he and I were discussing manga and anime, and he was like, "Yeah, he's like, as an adult, it's trash. Like they <laughs> just recycle the same plot." over and over and over but it has that nostalgia factor (laughs) so it's like you know that's why it's still like yeah it's a good thing that sailor moon actually holds up because i think i would be a little heartbroken if it didn't same yeah agreed although except of course the um the whole pegasus arc (laughs) (laughs) The woman Chibiusa has an affair with a horse. Yeah, yeah, we don't talk about that. Shit was rough. Shit was rough. <laughs> but most everything else holds up except for uh, the occasional fat joke. Yeah, okay. So this email, <laughs> it made me laugh very hard uh, because we were talking about <laughs> manga that we had read. And she said, honestly, I'm concerned about what some mangakas are teaching Japanese girls. I have a list of I'm feminist, but manga. And one of them was Wolf Girl and Black Prince. I read it and that one was on me. I should have seen it coming. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know if you know anything about Wolf Girl and Black Prince, but it's basically a girl lies to her friends about dating someone and she like picks a boy out in the crowd and she's like that one he's like super handsome and they're like he looks really familiar turns out he goes to their same school so it gets back to him and they're like hey we hear you're dating this girl from this class and she's like okay it's over i gotta go like die now (laughs) but he's cool about it and he's like okay i'll date you and she's like wow you're really nice except he's not nice he basically blackmails her and he's like unless you want me to tell everyone your fucked up plan you have to be my dog so he like makes her (laughs) yep so he like makes her uh be obedient and like get him things and like do basically debase and humiliate herself occasionally for his enjoyment i'm only three chapters in it's not great oh yeah (laughs) i really like that she was like she probably knew because i also knew going in that this was the plot of it (laughs) she's like yeah that one was on me (laughs) (laughs) that's on me uh yeah so then she says that kuznagi she says thanks kuznagi for yona (laughs) i'm like i agree (laughs) there are so many things where i'm like oh my god please no this is like a really really bad influence on young girls but you know we turned out fine (laughs) we turned out fine we were consuming really fucked up shit uh. Yeah. 
Yeah, I always laugh whenever I pass one of your like Twitter likes where someone's talking about like how um, freaked out they get about like young kids watching Euphoria. And I was like, and I was 11 reading the most like NC-17 fic in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I found it. <laughs> I the first fandom that I ever read fanfiction for was Harry Potter, which fuck J.K. Rowling. Uh, but I found smut fic for that, and it was accidental. I like stumbled upon. Same. I stumbled upon Hermione Draco. Okay, so I remember this vividly because it was like eye opening for baby Alex, who was very sheltered. I was like twelve probably at this time, but it was Hermione and Draco, and they were in like detention together. I want to say, and he like did a spell, and she like orgasmed. I don't know, and I was like, what is this? And that's how I learned what smut was. <laughs> I have since, by the way, as an adult, I was like, you know, it would be really funny if I found that again. I've never been able to find it again. <laughs> There's like 7,000 with that same exact plot. Oh, God. <laughs> so, but you would know if it was that specific one. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I, I have maybe, reread it. I, I just say, maybe like... you found it. I think mine was also is I was really into Draco and Jenny because of the the Romeo and Juliet of it all. Mm-hmm. And yeah, same fandom. I read one where there I can't remember which one I read first. There was one where he, you know, having graduated a year ahead of her, came back and was like the new potions teacher, and they started a relationship. So there was that one that was smutty, and then there was mm-hmm. another one. Where I think, uh, I can't remember, he'd given her like spelled cookies or whatever, and he like came in and she was masturbating. Uh, and I like could Over not. Over cookies? Handle it. Yeah, they were spelled cookies. Oh, oh. Yeah. Wait, so that just make her horny? Yeah, I guess. Oh, okay. But yeah, I like could not deal. <laughs> it's like, I'm not connecting the dots between cookies and <laughs> masturbation. <laughs> and i remember at the end of it there was a recipe for molasses cookies (laughs) shut the fuck up (laughs) that's so funny (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry but i kept cutting you off you couldn't handle it that was your like no i just like couldn't handle yeah because i was like oh my god Mm-hmm. Same. I was like, like what yeah, like, we're little girls, like... uh, you know, girls aren't supposed to masturbate. What? Like, <laughs> yeah. God. I was like so sheltered that I didn't really know what sex was, and I was reading along, and I was like on the living room computer. Like, we okay. So, like for youngsters, we used to have a computer room, and ours was like right off the kitchen. We had like a semi-open floor plan, and so it was like in the view of God and everyone. <laughs> I was just <laughs> reading on the open. Oh, boy. Oh, my God. I used to be so scared. I don't know how my dad ever never caught me because I definitely closed out of shit fast like it was porn. Yeah. Uh, but it was um, I get on Quizilla all the time. Gosh, do y'all remember Quizilla? <laughs> I mean, I do. I didn't spend a lot of time on Quizilla. Though. Uh, I fucking loved Quizilla. May it rest in pieces. It was honestly, <laughs> first of all, it walked. So you quiz could run, but occasionally you would find, and and they were still in quiz form because they would essentially be like, choose your own adventure. And they were all the same. It was always like a schoolgirl falls into like a harem of like four hot vampire guys, or it was always like one's a (laughs) vampire, one's a vampire, one's a werewolf, one's an angel. Like it was always shit like that. Okay. Yeah, I read. I read so many fucking many of those, and then yeah, I'd ha- I'd have to exit out of them really fast. Uh, <laughs> even if they weren't even necessarily somebody, I'm like, it's just dorky that I'm sitting here reading this online romance on my on the computer in my parents' room because that was our computer room was my parents' bedroom, so my dad could just come in. Yes. Speaking of that. I am also surprised my parents never, you know, caught me. But I was always, like, reading things. So it's not like they were going to look close enough to be like, ooh, what are you reading? But I read (laughs) – 
I didn't read too much that I remember Hermione and Draco. My like preferred ship was um, James and Lily. So I really liked the oh. Marauders era stories. And there was one where they had to introduce like that Lily had friends and then they either had to like hook up with the Marauders or they had like other people that they were introducing that they were like basically like a, just a shit ton of OCs. So you could have a lot of like ships or whatever. Um, and I was into it when I was a kid. <laughs> and uh, So at one point they had like a picture embedded into the story on like fanfiction.net or whatever. And um, it was a picture of like a boy with spiky hair with like his tongue sticking out. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> and my dad walked by and he was like, what are you doing? <laughs> I would have definitely passed away. That's not even an incriminating photo, but I would have been like, oh my god, I can't tell you. I know, I was mortified. I was like, I'm going to tell you, but this is the dorkiest shit you've ever heard. <laughs> Although your dad has no room to talk. he Didn't he write a novel-length Star Trek fanfiction? He wrote a novel-length Star Trek fanfiction, and one of my earliest memories is I really wanted to... I didn't know what it was at the time, but I basically wrote Sailor Moon fanfiction, and I like... I had him transcribe it onto the computer because I couldn't type because I was too young. Aww. I know. Your so dad nice loves you so much. I know. Uh, that's also lost to time because that was on our original computer in the notes app. The note, no, sorry, not the notes app. The notepad. Ah. Uh. So it didn't even have, like, formatting or anything. <laughs> Zero formatting. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was out there raw, no HTML. <laughs> oh, boy. Alex was out here raw texting. Uh. <laughs> oh, that was a really enjoyable look at John Memory Lane. Oh, my God. It sure was. <laughs> okay, but back to back to Michaela's very great email and uh, Yona. We also did talk about Yona, and she mentioned that um, she says I like when they leave in the J the Japanese suffixes uh, like Chan and Senpai Kun and everything. Uh, so Jiha calls Yona Yona Chan, which is like I don't know how familiar you are with suffixes. I don't want to like over explain. Chan, is that one that's more like they're above you a little bit or have seniority over you? That's San. Okay, San. Okay, so what is Chan? So Chan is like, like a buddy or like okay. a close friend. So it's like basically overly familiar is how he okay. feels about her. And everybody's like, dude, you got to back off. But he never does. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I think Sama is the highest form that's for like royalty which is why they call her Hime-sama mm -hmm. if I'm wrong about any of this by the way please write into us I would love to know more but this is what I've picked up um, yeah so Jiha calls her Yonachan and he adds Kun to everybody else except for Hawk even though Hawk is younger than him he refers to him as only Hawk which means he considers Hawk a pair I'm uh -huh. not really sure what that means specifically but I do know if you leave off a suffix or an honorific it means like a big fucking deal. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. That is. That I didn't I didn't actually remember that uh or know that Jiha calls Hawk Hawk. That is very intriguing. Well, thank you for sharing, Michaela. Yes. She will get this message like six months from now. <laughs> <laughs> She's going through the back episodes very slowly. She hasn't gotten to the honey scene yet because later in that email, she was like, I'm really interested to see what you guys think about the honey scene. <laughs> it's just like, we have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> All right. So on to the chapters, if you're ready. I am ready. Cool. So chapter 71, Mandate from Heaven. We're on a new volume. It's volume we 13. Are. With my men. My men on the cover. Gunte and Judo. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so I'm not going to lie. This These chapters got me pumped. So I did just like finish out the arc. <laughs> I read the next like six chapters. 
<laughs> and uh, so at one point, Kuznagi uh, says something like, this cover is full of old men, so I feel like people are just going to skip right over it at the bookstore. <laughs> Exactly. So Evangelina shaking her head. And in my notes, I have no Kuznagi. Thank you for this in your hot 30-year-old man obsession. Yeah. <laughs> gotta know. That reminds me of that you quiz that I took earlier that I was um, messaging you about because uh, side tangent, um, and Alex knows this, I, and I'm sorry if any of you like him or think this is mean, I cannot stand <laughs> to look at Killian Murphy. I You're think- not sorry. <laughs> I cannot stand to look at the man. I think he's the ugliest man in the world. Like literally one time Alex and I were debating about this and she was like, really? Like, he's not like Steve Buscemi. And I was like, no, I would fuck Steve Buscemi. Before <laughs> Kelly Hart, she was like, shut the fuck up. No, you would not. But I stand by it. Okay. It's not all about it. But I, I center part of that. You And it was one of those where it's like, it was like, pick a bunch of men and I'll diagnose you with a mental illness. And like the mental illnesses were just like super hulak or daddy issues or whatever. And I really fully should have gotten daddy issues. Cause it was just <laughs> like, I saw the screenshot for that answer and it was just like, you're really obsessed with like all the older men in this quiz. Like you need to get something checked out. And I was like, ah, oh, Alex in high school. And then us about our manga in general. Yep. Yeah. I did love me an older man. So I actually did not get daddy issues for that one. I got, I think, oh, that I had like the best. I, I was undeniably sexy and I had the best taste in men, which is obvious because I picked like the likes of like Oscar Isaac and Dev Patel. Sure. But also congratulations on having the right opinions. <laughs> yes. Killian Murphy was under the question, uh, pick a man that pick a man that is kind of weird looking. And then Alex wanted to know what weird looking constituted. So I sent her the whole uh, screenshot of the whole page of those options. <laughs> yeah, which I still have an issue with because one of them is like fucking Shane Madej. Listen, I went to <laughs> I went to college while well, we went to college with someone who looked exactly like Shane Madej. So I'm just saying, like, if I've ever seen this person out and about and he looks like someone I've ever seen in real life, then that's not a weird looking person. That's just a person. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't say like he was super handsome or anything, but yeah, he's just an average dude. Yeah. I wouldn't call him weird looking. Yeah. Yeah, so that list was bogus. I think they should have included Mickey Rourke, but they were cowards because nobody <laughs> thinks Mickey Rourke is sexy. Yeah, that is true. I was wondering because that was what you asked. You said, What does this mean? Like Mickey Rourke? <laughs> I love how he's like the one you go to. Uh, so yeah, she's yes, weird looking. Like genuinely, I, I was actually watching, um, well, I've gone down a rabbit hole, so like all of my recommended videos are Tiny Meat Gang snippets from their podcast. They'll like record themselves, uh, like Uh video record themselves doing the podcast. And uh, I think they they actually brought up Mickey Rourke because he was an actor and then he became a fighter and his face got really fucked up because of fighting so like he is objectively like a weird looking dude also i think he tried to have like plastic surgery that got botched to fix his face it's a really sad story but also like sorry objectively like he's the weirdest looking dude that i can think of other than Stu buscemi and killian murphy which (laughs) just calling him weird looking is kind but (laughs) god we should make this list (laughs) (laughs) we should make this quiz (laughs) Uh, sorry tangent city but I once more had to go against my honestly very cruel crusade against Killian Murphy who's never done anything (laughs) wrong (laughs) it's okay I got a cruel crusade against um, Jennifer Garner I don't know what it is. I just don't like looking at her face. So I get it, but also you're wrong. So, you know. <laughs> but anyway, people who are not weird looking and who are very great and deserve to grace every cover, Gunte and Judo. <laughs> also Suwon in the background, but I'm mainly here for Judo and Gunte. Yeah, I mean, Suwon is also like a handsome dude. He fits in. He's just too pretty. I like mm-hmm. him a little more rugged. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we open with a past tense account of the battle. Sujin was confident. He fully believed he would be victorious. So clearly he's not, but let's see, let's yeah. see how that plays out. 
I do appreciate throughout this chapter, and I think maybe the chapter after, that she gives us little diagrams of what's going on in the battle, because otherwise I would have had no fucking clue. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally agree. Okay, so a soldier warns Sujin that Suwon has created pit traps in front of his side formations. Okay, so as I was reading this, we're going to get way off topic because I didn't include this in my notes. So good luck to me finding my spot later. But I was really confused as to how they would have dug these pit traps in the first place. And like it's later revealed that they were bogus, so they didn't exist anyway. But like, why didn't the fire tribe stop to think like, we didn't see you guys digging? Oh, I guess they did just like come out of nowhere, right? They like rounded a corner and found. Oh, that is true. Yeah, that's right. They didn't even expect them. Okay. I just answered my own question. Okay. (laughs) Whoops. But yeah, I was like, if you're just standing there waiting in battle, like, wouldn't you see people digging? But no, I guess not. Um, Yeah, so pit traps. Um, Sujin thinks we can just bum rush the middle and not worry about the traps at all. But that in itself was a trap all along because Suwon is five steps ahead of Sujin. Okay, so let's talk about this battle and then come back to that. First, the fire tribe soldiers are spooked because they think the sky tribe is riding against them on tigers. Second, they are besieged by arrows from archers behind the pit traps, so the infantrymen can't go over and uh, take them out in close combat. So instead of being allowed to push the center, they've been corralled into the center. Um, okay. So, before we get into my notes, what are your thoughts on this section? Well, I just put TIGER STEEDS in all caps right before it was real <laughs> that there were horses disguised as tiger. And I was like, unexpected. And uh, unexpected, as is the fact that they're actually horses, is Suwan's plan, let's just be batshit. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, no, but I think that would be incredible. Yeah, because at first I was like, because I was like, it's kid, because they're really scared and then confused by the the tigers that are actually horses, the tigers that are then revealed to just be tiger horses, and then I was like, oh, is it kind of like that thing? Because it's like, um, like I listen to my favorite murder all the time, and I'll be listening to their hometowns that they receive, and like there have been a couple of stories where like someone was like getting robbed or something and they just acted really strange and it just like Mm -hmm. scared their attackers off essentially (laughs) so there's just like this strategy of like just be really fucking crazy and people won't want to deal with it so i did think at first that's what he was doing before it was revealed more what the actual plan was plus kusanagi's little side note about hey the the tiger horses thing actually happened historically Mm -hmm. so yeah okay so you didn't hate this section no i didn't hate this section um it was hard until you know we get back to yona and everything to be or at the very least until uh gente pops up uh, to be super interested in what's going on, uh, just because similar to scenes where like dancing is happening, it's hard to feel the action when it's static on paper. Okay, for me that's interesting. So I disliked this section for a similar for a, a different reason, and I know you said that you didn't dislike it, but you said it was like hard to care about, and I agree that it was hard to care about but the reason that i find it hard to care about is that suwon at this point is basically infallible okay yeah so like aside from hawk and yona's miraculous survival after falling off the cliff it's my second least favorite part of the manga just like this battle um well this until like the the big cliffhanger at the end of this that's pretty fucking cool like when we get back to yona and the gang like i'm into it again but i do not like this particular battle i just feel like they got lucky that their horses were disguised well enough to trick some of the soldiers into freaking out and i did do some research by the way i'll get back to that um on this being a legitimate like war tactic so i'm less like bothered by that but the fact that it works i just feel like so like we talk a lot about stakes and this 
moment just feels stateless to me because Suwan is always ahead of everyone else. Literally everything goes off without a hitch. Yeah. Yes. Everything goes just according to his plan. And he's always like ahead of everybody, which means he's ahead of the audience. So like when things seem like they're not working out, they're working out exactly according to his plan. And then you find out afterwards. And it's like, well, I'm not even playing along at that point. Like, I can't predict what he's doing. It's just sort of like totally obfuscated to from me as the audience. And so it's just like, why would I even be invested or care about this? Because he's just going to pull it off. Who cares? Yeah, so they got lucky. And then he wants as little bloodshed as possible in battle, which is a cool and noble way to inject some stakes. But it is immediately undercut yeah. by the fact that Suwan, it, it's Suwan who wants it. So of course it's going to happen because Suwan's a perfect genius. Yeah, I did appreciate, though, with him saying that he wants as minimal loss as possible. It does contrast him against Sujin, who uh, is seen just like a couple panels later. That's like, you know, when they're telling him to treat and he's like, no. And he's actually asking all his soldiers to die for him because he doesn't care how many people die as long as he reaches his end result. I like that. I've always compared him with Yona in this battle, but I think that you are onto something very brilliant. And of course he's being like, it, Sujin is his foil? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I'd say so. Since we're definitely cool. meant to see them as each other. Because it's all there back and forth in this section. Um, and going back to what you said about everything goes according to plan, I was going to say, I can't believe I'm saying this. I didn't think these words would ever be uttered. <laughs> with regard to anything but it needs to be more like teen wool and let me explain (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) which is that for all of its faults teen wolf always did this thing where their plan a never worked out like without (laughs) fail their plan a like never worked out they always had to use like the backup plan or improvise on the fly Mm -hmm. yeah Yes, and I love that when it's like an actual backup plan. What I hate, and I I can't stand heist movies for the same reason as this, where it's like my backup plan was the real plan all, all along, and everything that went wrong was actually going right the whole time. And it's just like, well, then you're just lying to the audience. And clearly, I am not like this opinion is not shared by many, or well, not many, I don't know, but like not shared by other people because this is such a common trope and people seem to love it but I just I don't like it I feel like it's just lying and it just feels like okay well like I'm just here like I'm just watching I don't get to participate I don't get to be like oh what's gonna happen next because like I don't know <laughs> there's no way to predict it and it's gonna work out fine so who cares <laughs> now okay so I was being very bitchy but I will say in defense of this, it does kind of make him a good opponent because anytime our heroes are up against Suwon, it actually feels like they might lose should Suwon decide that he wants them taken out. But for things like this, it just kind of makes him boring. And he's not boring, so it's upsetting. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. I feel very passionately about this. This is one of those like sections that sticks out in my mind. It's like, mm, this could have been better. But, okay, so back to uh, the tigers and uh, putting their pelts on horses, I guess. So according to worldhistory.org, during the Western Cho period, which was 1046 to 771 CE, riders now wore chest and armor, arm armor made of bronze leather scales or lacquered rhino and buffalo hides while the horses were protected by tiger skins with bronze additions the extra weight which resulted in these developments would have reduced the mobility of the chariot and it's possible that they are now largely used to impress and demoralize the enemy while commanders use them to better coordinate their troops so basically exactly what happens they just demoralized the enemy and were like oh well (laughs) i can't win against them (laughs) <laughs> their horse has too much drip we can't do it <laughs> that's exactly what they were thinking <laughs> look at that horse's fit <laughs> we're never gonna win <laughs> oh my god Okay, so the Suwon section doesn't thrill me, but Gente's triumphant entrance does. 
This yes, is actually pretty cool. Yes, my man. Flashy as fuck. I put, <laughs> uh, with a flashy entrance and one-liner, my body is ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we went vastly different ways <laughs> to react to this, because my note on this is, he pulls a Gandalf at the Battle of Helm's Deep. <laughs> Which is not sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Not sexy. I did laugh, though, where he's running in battle. And there is somebody yelling at him, take me, sir. And it's definitely not in the context that they mean it. But it's Uh still a mood. I had the exact same thought. I was like, I don't think this means what I want it to mean. But I agree. It is always thirst for Gente hours on this podcast. <laughs> it's thirst o'clock. Um, yeah, so the narration says Sujin's failure didn't come from not seeing through Suwan's plan, but being too focused on Suwan to notice the Earth Tribe's armies coming in to back the king. And yes, this does make it so Suwan and Gente, the Suwan and Gente interlude way back in chapter 44 to 45 worth it, but God, at what cost? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so dull and I gotta say Gente frowning while Suwan smiles in a creepy vaguely bloodthirsty way is super cool mm. there's just some like fun stuff in here that does kind of elevate an otherwise like issue chapter uh, so then we get Gente and Judo chatting in battle which is always fun and then Sen leaves because the Earth and Sky Tribe armies are absolutely thrashing the Fire Tribe but even though the battle is all but decided, Sujin isn't ready to give up. Meanwhile, the retreating Rihazara pulls a classic bad guy and tells, tro- tells his troops to steal resources and burn down villages because things didn't go his way and he's throwing a fit. But wait, there's an unexpected group of bandits preventing the Sin soldiers from running any fire tri- ruining any fire tribe lands. That's right, baby. Hak and Yona are finally the battle couple that we've waited for, and they Hell look pissed. Yeah. They look great. These old badasses pulling up. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool entrance, right? Yeah, it was. that would have been. Um, I'm glad we cut this so that we read 72 right after 71 because that would have been a really hard uh, scene to just leave off on. <laughs> yeah, fair. Are you telling me that was harder than the one we did actually end off? No, 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 not at all. Oh, okay. Like, 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 like interesting. Had, like if it had been like 70, 71. Okay, yeah. And then like 72, 73. Fair. No, I agree. I also, I mean, clearly... <laughs> Clearly, I couldn't deal with the, the cliffhangers that we were left on because I was like, you know what? Why don't I just read the next like six? It's fine. Okay, but before we get into chapter 72, we have comments again from Discus or Discuss. You know what? Fuck it. I think it's probably Discuss, but I'm going to say Discus for forever. So, like, it's fine. Uh, Discus comments from Stan Cravity. They say, I don't know about y'all, but I'm just worried for Tejun. He was in that fire tribe, the traitor tribe. Dot, dot, dot. I was worried about Tejun when the raider dude started going. I was like, oh no, his shit is going to be trampled. But thankfully, that seems to have not happened. So that leaves it in a good position for you to tell me if you're still worried about Tejun. Because he is part of this like traitor tribe and his dad is the one who's basically like going against the king. So how do you think that's going to affect Tejun? I think he's going to be fine. Specifically, because we also even have Yona literally telling Sujin, like, I wish you were leading more like your son is, like your son Tejun is. Yeah, but she doesn't have any power. She doesn't, but narratively, it put me at ease. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fair enough. (laughs) In the context of the world, he's probably in danger. In the context of a narrative, he's just fine. (laughs) I love that. Um, okay, so then the second comment is from Nina Magana, and they say, The tiger's strategy was genius and so unique, but the thought of pulling dead ti- putting dead tiger skins on horses is kind of gross. Yeah, fair. And I threw that in there because there are other opinions on this section that are not mine. So, like, if you like it, more power to you. I'm very happy that you like this section. <laughs> 
Okay, so on to chapter 72, The One Who Leads. I think it's kind of interesting that this title is right above a picture of Yona. Yeah. My queen. I don't think that means anything. I just was like, hmm, she's the one who leads. Interesting. Uh, so yeah, Hawk and Yona look like they are very disappointed in Rihazara. I said Suan was cool in the last chapter, but Hawk and Yona are so fucking cool here. Hawk calmly tells the villagers that they've stumbled into battle and should leave, while Yona tells Rihazara, Take your soldiers and leave quietly. You've invaded this kingdom. If you try to terrorize its citizens, you won't get out of here alive. Yeah, baby, fuck it up. Notice. Rihazara obviously doesn't take them seriously until one of his men tries to take take them out, and Geisha's hand takes the man down like it's nothing. The soldiers start freaking out. One clearly terrified says, He's a monster. Continuing that threat of the dragons being monstrous to people who are against them. I also love Hawk shielding Yona as much from the carnage as he can. Like you see kind of blood spraying and he's kind of got his arm around her, like keeping her from it. Yeah, I liked that too. It was a very subtle like protection because I feel like we get later in the battle, Yoon very obviously protects her. And at some point, Zeno finds a shield. shield. (laughs) Okay, you noticed that too. I'm like, where did you get that, bud? (laughs) So yes, people are doing shielding, but Hawks is the most like, oh, he just doesn't want to get her bloody. Yeah. Yeah, our standards are weird. (laughs) (laughs) It's so romantic. He didn't want the blood spray to get on her. And then when the soldiers are trying while the soldiers are trying to work up the courage to shoot at Gija, Jiha jumps into the fray, giving them a whole new person to be terrified of. While all the dragons and Hawk begin fighting Sin troops, Rihazara thinks, What is this? These are bizarre monsters among the people of this nation. And then we cut back to Suwan, who is currently waiting at an impasse with Sujin. Sujin is hanging out at the Fire Tribe base and refuses to retreat or surrender. In fact, when a soldier suggests they give up, Sujin beheads the kid. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sick. I think this is the first time we see, like, real brutal violence like this. I mean, before there's been, like, a lot of blood, but no decapitation. And also Kuznagi killed off a little kid in Awa, but she doesn't shy away from the morbid stuff, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Did I cut you off? Did you say something? No, just that, like, you see his head flying off and everything. Like, it's not just the, like, like the cut shot where you just, like, see his face with blood splattering on it and you have the sound effect of, like, slice or whatever. It's like, no, you see his head coming off in a spray of blood. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I love horror movies. So I appreciate a good... Uh, bloody terrifying scene like this i'm not super into slashers which this is kind of a slasher move but like whatever i can appreciate it right so a child has been beheaded i mean i guess he's not a child child but a young man a young man has been beheaded so then Sujin goes off his rocker about how he's the real Crimson Dragon King and the soldiers should fight to their deaths for him to reclaim reclaim his rightful throne. Meanwhile, Speaking soldiers of, are like... Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, I, and it probably would have uh, turned the intense moment into too much of a humorous one, but I did find it funny that Gija didn't get uppity about this because Yona is the Crimson Dragon, at least in his belief. And he, but they're in is... different sections. Oh, they're in different sections. Okay, I thought they yeah, were Yeah, so like Rihazara has left and he's in a different part of the country than the standoff between Sujin and Suwon. Oh, okay. I didn't get that. I thought they were all kind of in the same area. That makes sense. Okay, because I was like, God, if Gija heard this, he'd be so <laughs> uppity about it and be like, humble yourself. You are not the Crimson Dragon. My master is. Yeah. Gija definitely would have said, sit down, be humble. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, they are fighting in a different area. So the soldiers are like, "Mm, I kind of don't want to die here. And also you seem to have some personal issues you need to work through. So you see that his his troops are starting to doubt that they are on the wrong side of history, the right side of history. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so while Sujun urges them to keep fighting, Yona arrives and tells him to cut that shit out. Okay, so now they're here. <laughs> They've arrived. Oh, so well, maybe they were close enough that Gija could have heard. I don't know. I'm doubting He's distracted now. fighting people. <laughs> <laughs> maybe Gija's in the back muttering and everybody's just ignoring him like usual. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Yoda shows up. She's like, cut that shit out. Sujin immediately recognizes her because he asks, you're still alive? And Yoon reminds the audience that Sujin knows who she is, but the fire tribe soldiers don't. So she doesn't answer and again asks him to stop, which she basically answers, absolutely not. And she says, your arrogance is breathtaking. I just think that's kind of a dope line. Yeah, I have it in my notes. It's just Yona reads him for filth. <laughs> Yeah, she does. Uh, she continues. Oh, oh, okay. So then also for this panel, I like that it's on this like gray staticky background so that you're fo- you're forced to focus on the words and nothing else. Mm-hmm. So it's like more impactful, I think. I also have to admit that I don't know anything about art. So that's what I get out of it. So if there's a different reading that I should have of this, please tell us. Uh, so then she continues, you don't even realize how many people's entire lives are spent keeping you alive. You are not fit to rule anyone. Damn. She's so fucking cool, dude. Mm-hmm. Sujin immediately calls to have them killed. And I love that the dragons and everyone just like basically <laughs> shut that down and uh, um, close ranks. And they're like, all right, let's go. And then I do also really like this section because Jiha quips and Yoon is like, absolutely not. This is not the time for that. And then (laughs) Gija says, what do you mean? This will be easy. To which Hawk says that freaky optimism is the only good thing about you, White Snake. Yeah. I love them. I miss seeing them in battle. I think Hawk and Gija have a fun, like, battle buddy romance going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Finally, Shina says nothing and Zeno says Zeno's rooting for everyone. So as they fight, Yona basically comes to the same conclusion Suwan did about how they're all Koka citizens and she doesn't want to kill any of them. Cut back to Suwan, who hears that a small group is causing a ruckus amongst the fire tribe. He immediately sets off to check it out and comes face to face with Yona. The chapter ends with them noticing each other and staring. He looks shocked while she looks displeased, which is a nice change of pace from her completely freezing up and being unable to function around him. Her narration over the last few panels is, this nation needs a leader, someone with tremendous strength to unite everyone. She sees Suwan and thinks, ah, that's why you took our nation's throne, isn't it? Yes, she finally understands him. My God. So exciting. He can't just be a villain anymore. He had good motivations. Yeah. And she has some growth to be able to, like think about that beyond like this is the guy who killed my dad and like i was in love with him now she's like oh i understand why you're doing what you're doing and now i can look at you and not you know (laughs) cry yeah which i mean it has only been a few months so she would still be well within her rights to do that all right the only comment on the end of this one was from stan cravity again who was upset that the nice soldier was decapitated Fair. That was horrifying. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So my like my last note is that I know you said that you don't really like a lot of action and battle scenes. And I think we've talked about that a little bit. Um, but I really like them. I think this is like the cleanest manga that I've ever read. Nothing feels really cluttered and I'm not overwhelmed by the amount of art or words on the page. So I think the battle scenes are uh, pretty easy to follow and work really well, as, as well as this medium allows. Yeah. So I'm sorry that you don't follow. I just can't. There's not like an adrenaline anything going with it because it's like you know you don't get us. It's like the arrows are flying, but I'm not really you know I'm not seeing them arc through the air. They're just like so so I can't see like you know how effective they're going to be. And you know they have to tell you it's like oh there are pit traps or whatever instead of yeah it's just hard with the medium I think. That's fair. There's more telling than showing than you would like. Yeah. That's fair. I do want to say I didn't mean that they're easy to follow, meaning that you find them hard to follow. You are intelligent enough that you understand what art means. I meant they're easy to follow as in like comparatively to other manga that I've read that sometimes. Okay, so like Berserk and 
I tried reading um, Basara uh, last week, and I read the first section, and I legitimately have no idea what happened in a few of those action scenes because I <laughs> it was so dense and like darkly shaded that I have it was really hard to follow. So I appreciate this a lot more. So I'm saying that I have been unable to follow other <laughs> other battle manga, and that's what I appreciate about this one in particular. And I think you're very intelligent. And I'm that was not a call out to you. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I think that's uh that's where we're gonna leave it for now. I'm really excited to go to next week. We're in a good place. We're struggling to wait for next next time on Yona. Yeah. I mean I am. I don't know about you, but no, I, that's a, a really solid place to leave it at. Yeah. That's a good cliffhanger. Okay, well, um, I guess we should wrap it up then. Okay, find us on social media. We are on Twitter and Gmail and Tumblr, and that's all the things, right? Yes. Although... Sometimes I forget to update the Tumblr. And I definitely forgot to update our Twitter this week. So, <laughs> But sometimes but we I are them. I, I reblog a lot of... Uh, okay, so like our Twitter, if you're interested, I reblog a lot of fan art for our Twitter. And on Tumblr, I reblog a lot of like text posts that remind me of characters. And that's how I fill my days. <laughs> so if you're intrigued by either of those things, come hang out. All right. And until then, we will see y'all next time. Yeah. Bye. Bye.